Good evening. You're listening to WNUR 89.3 FM, HD1, Evanston, Chicago. I'm Brandon Kondritz, and this is WNUR News at 6. Tonight, how Northwestern students are celebrating Thanksgiving on campus, Chicago's newest musical, named after Betty Boop, what it's really like to cover Evanston City Council meetings, and this week's Fairweather Friends. Those stories and more coming up from Northwestern University. This is WNUR News at 6. Starting on campus, with Thanksgiving right around the corner, students are booking flights and catching trains home to celebrate with their families. But for many, the challenges of getting home before Turkey Day and back before classes restart outweigh the holiday. Gabby Igozi found out how the campus community comes together to celebrate everywhere from dorms to professors' houses. Take a listen. Turkey, mac and cheese, stuffing, mashed potatoes, green beans. What do all of these things have in common? Thanksgiving. I love Thanksgiving because it's really for everybody. It is just sort of sharing your home, sharing food, which feels so homey and cozy. Thanksgiving is a time to reconnect with family, ditch the dining halls for a home-cooked meal, see old friends you might have been trying to avoid, and have those awkward conversations at the table. But for some students, Thanksgiving might look a little bit different than normal this year. Many will be staying in Evanston to celebrate the holiday. Even though they may be apart from their families, they can still celebrate with students and faculty. So I still remember when I was in college, people didn't tend to fly home. We didn't have a big break. And I remember I was like nervous. I was like, oh, what are we going to do on Thanksgiving? And it's just something about the people who had me over to their homes when I was in college, whether it was my teachers, that was the biggest deal, or even fellow students who live nearby and their parents. It just meant a lot to me. So I wanted to do that. I vowed if I ever had that opportunity, I went to do it too. That's also- Karen Springen, a Medill assistant professor. She's hosted a Thanksgiving dinner for her students for several years. It's simple. Anybody who is on campus over the holiday who's looking for a meal is invited. We also, we do it um, early afternoon. You know, people come by the Metra train that gets in about 120 and we actually eat around two-ish or so. And so people can two-time me. They can come to this Thanksgiving and then go to a night one too if they want. It's just sort of, it's great fun. I love it. Her menu has all the usual favorites. Turkey, ham, veggies, and so on. But what about dessert? Well, I have to say, of course I make pies. Of course we have the basic, like the pumpkin pie, the apple pie, the um, pecan pie. But my signature thing is probably my cookies just in general because I make them for my classes. So the signature cookies will be there too. Springen, an avid baker, loves to spoil her guests with a diverse dessert menu for the holiday. But it's not just the menu that makes the tradition special for her. It's the people and spirit of the holiday. Well, one thing about it is when it's at your own home, you can make the Thanksgiving that's your vision of a perfect Thanksgiving. So, of course, they're all uh, things that that I love. So, it's foods that I love. It's people who I love. (laughs) I love all my students. Um, It's the setting that I love with the fireplace. I live in a 100-year-old house, so it's got that sort of it's nice, um, but it's got that sort of cozy, wonderful, old feel to it. And it is 
just how I like Thanksgiving. For many students, like Bean and freshman Calvin Simmers, this year will be the first away from home. Normally, it's like we go to my grandparents' house and, you know, just hang out with family and play games and eat, so. However, this year, Calvin has changed up his plans. So I'm staying on, on campus. So I, I was either going to, like, do something with some friends that are staying on campus. That's most likely what's going to happen. But I also had a couple friends uh, who lived in Chicago who invited me to their, their house to uh, have Thanksgiving with their family and such. So I haven't necessarily decided what to do yet. But Staying on campus is a common option for many students. Whether it's more cost-efficient to stay, more convenient given the short break, or simply too far away from home, there are many valid reasons for why students will spend the holiday in Evanston. Um, because I'm from Turkey, which is really far away, and Thanksgiving is just like a little short break that it won't be enough days for me to go back to Turkey. Um, I'm gonna go to New York and my brother's gonna come, my dad's gonna come, and we're gonna see the, the huge Thanksgiving parade, and just have a little trip together. That's gonna... Lal Kavijolo, a current School of Communication student and freshman from Istanbul, Turkey. This year will be her first Thanksgiving away from home and in the United States. Staying on campus this year was the most convenient solution for her, given the 11-hour flight back home. I'm looking forward to seeing my, my dad and my brother the most. And I'm looking forward to the little traditions that they have in the U.S. that I don't, I didn't, haven't experienced before. But not everyone is from across the world. Medill sophomore Cole Reynolds is from California, and Thanksgiving is his favorite holiday. Even though he was away for the first time last year, the celebrations didn't stop. It's kind of a bit of a trek back home, just to come back and do it again like a week later. And so I was like, why don't we just host that, host that on? I couldn't go without like the food. Um, I know I wouldn't be able to see my family, but like the community and, and talking to people. And, and so I talked to my partner, Roman Madeira, and, and we're just like, he was staying also, feeling kind of the same way. And um, we're just like, let's do it. Let's make it happen. Preparations for the great South Campus Thanksgiving began weeks ahead of time. We had been collecting money from like our friends who were going to participate because like part of the thrust behind this was we wanted to do it. But the other part was like there are some international students who like can't go home for Thanksgiving. We raised some of the money from from people and, um, and opened it to kind of like a word of mouth type of thing. And as soon as that happened, we were feeling really settled before that happened. But after that happened, we were like, oh my God, we don't know how many people are going to come. So we were just like, how much money do we have? And can we spend right up to the limit, you know? Reynolds and his friends took over several dorm kitchens in the days before to cook everything from mac and cheese to stuffing. And of course, the turkey. It was at like 110. It was like not even close to being edible. I went like nonverbal. I just did not talk to anybody. I was just like trying to fix this turkey before anybody came. Like literally at one point I was like, we can't overcook the breast, right? So I literally put it on the stove top and like try to cook it from the bottom up. Even though the cooking process might have been more difficult than planned, Reynolds said the turnout was worth it. So I think people were kind of stunned that it wasn't just like a rotisserie chicken from Whole Foods, yeah. you know? It was really cool just in the day to just see people that I'd never seen before just come up 
and just start chatting about whatever, you know? There was a momentary and instantaneous and kind of a fleeting temporary community that formed around the table. They, I think they recognized how, how beautiful the moment was. You might be asking yourself, what about this year? Actually, this year I had the opportunity to go home, and I'm not actually going to go home. I'm going to do it all again, you know, all the stress. But it's because I think it was, it was a powerful thing just to see people enjoying. It's my family's recipes, you know, it's, and just kind of people appreciating things that I'd, I'd taken for granted for, for my whole life. If you'll be on campus for Thanksgiving this year, maybe the first time away from your family, know that there's other students in your shoes. And in Karen Springen's words, There's something about Thanksgiving that's such a lovely, open, welcoming holiday. And there's something about sharing it with other people uh, that is, you can't beat it. From the Thanksgiving table, Gabriella Egozi, WNUR News. Speaking from firsthand experience, Professor Karen Springen's cookies are the best. I would love to spend Thanksgiving with her one day. You're listening to WNUR 89.3 FM. It's 6.11 p.m. Looking at the current travel times, on the Kennedy, it's 39 minutes from the Jane Byrne to Montrose and 48 minutes from Montrose to O'Hare. If you're headed down the Dan Ryan, it's 31 minutes from the Jane Byrne to 95th via the express lanes and 30 minutes for locals. And if you're soaking in those waterfront views on Lakeshore Drive, it's 14 minutes northbound to Bryn Mawr from downtown and 10 minutes southbound to 55th. Moving on to our arts and entertainment story for the day, there's a new musical in town, and its main character and namesake is all too familiar. The iconic Betty Boop takes the stage at Chicago's CIBC Theater in Boop the Musical. I'm excited about this one. Sophia Kesa has everything you need to know. think of Broadway leading ladies, your mind might go to Dolly Levi from Hello Dolly, Effie White from Dreamgirls, or Tracy Turnblad from Hairspray. Well, this roster's about to be joined by a fresh face, none other than Betty Boop. Boop, the musical featuring this iconic character, is set to make its premiere in Chicago beginning Sunday, November 19th. Featuring a murderous row of a creative team, including direction and choreography by Tony winner Jerry Mitchell of Kinky Boots fame, a book by Tony winner Bob Martin, music by Grammy winner David Foster, marionettes by Philip Huber, and lyrics by Tony nominee Susan Birkenhead. Birkenhead recalls the moment she first heard about this project. And the phone rang and it was Bill Haber. Bill Haber is a producer behind Broadway musicals like The Scarlet Pimpernel and the 1997 revival of the musical 1776. And he said, I have a project for you. And he said, it's Betty Boop. And for a minute I stopped and I thought, Betty Boop. And then I thought about the cartoons, which are extraordinary. The love of the cartoons and the character was enough to get Birkenhead and others on board. But there was a creative challenge presented by this project that intrigued them. How do you transform Betty Boop into a medium like a musical and make it interesting? We meet her in her world, the black and white world of Fleischer Studio, and she goes on an amazing journey that brings her into our world. That's actor Ainsley Anthony Mellum, an actor best known for his run as the title role in Aladdin, both on Broadway and in Sydney, Australia. Here he plays Dwayne, a down-on-his-luck jazz musician who Betty meets in present-day New York City. Dwayne's jazz background complements the golden age stylings of the tunes David Foster created. Yet even with such a killer cast and crew, as is typical with new work, the musical has been in development for several decades. 
For Birkenhead, she's been on this project for a while now. It was probably 2010. And even before she was brought on, the show had worked with other directors, lyricists, book writers, and composers. And even though the process is long and arduous, Birkenhead finds a lot of value in the process of creating new work. A funny thing happens when an actor uh, takes the lyric and sings it, and actors sometimes unconsciously, sometimes consciously, discover something in it that even I didn't realize was there. They can find some brilliant, really brilliant actors can find laughs where there never were laughs. These revelations then lead book writers, composers, and lyricists to rework and polish the show to account for these changes. It's a never-ending process, and it will go on, as I said, until practically the morning of opening night. And while there is a stressful aspect to that, it's also a testament to how malleable new work is and the creativity it affords actors and other creators when compared to an established piece. And of course, it's impossible to discuss Spoop the Musical without discussing Betty herself. The role of Betty, needless to say, took endless, endless, endless auditions. But it was all worth it in the end when the team decided on Jasmine Amy Rogers, a young actress best known for her role as Gretchen Wieners in the tour of Mean Girls the Musical. Fellow cast member Ainsley Anthony Mellum sings her praises. She really just sort of embodies Betty Boop in such a beautiful way. Her voice is incredible. Her comic timing is, is spot on. Um, and she has great heart, so I'm excited for people to see her. As of now, the musical has only a limited run. Begging the question, is there a life for Boop outside of Chicago? You know, I think this show has aspirations to move, move beyond Chicago, maybe to Broadway. I would hope that for the show, because I think it's really special. I think it has a really wonderful message, and I think there's not really much happening that's quite like this show at the moment. Boop the Musical runs November 19th to December 24th at the CIBC Theatre. For WNUR News, I'm Sophia Kaysen. Boop the Musical is at the CIBC Theater on Monroe until Christmas Eve, December 24th. You can get tickets for as little as $40 on Ticketmaster. Just search Boop the Musical Chicago. Today's oddity story by our oddities editor Mika Ellison is certainly odd. As final votes for the Ryan Field rebuild approach, Evanston City Council has gotten more popular. Residents from across the city's eight wards have filled the Lorraine H. Morton Civic Center on select Monday evenings this fall to share their thoughts in short 45-second public comment blocks. But what about the reporters who have covered counsel for student publications and local news outlets? Why do they keep coming back? Mika Ellison, a city council lover herself, gets to the bottom of it. It's Monday night in Evanston, Illinois. To the average Northwestern student, that might mean they're looking forward to a football game, the end of the week, or even Thanksgiving. But to a specific cohort of student reporters and Evanston residents, it only means one thing, a city council meeting. City council is um, tasked with making all the decisions. You can think of them as this like legislative body. Evanston City Council typically meets once every two weeks in the Lorraine H. Morton Civic Center. To get to the meeting, reporters walk around the back of the building through two sets of automatic doors, up two flights of stairs, and around the corner, where the council room awaits. I'm also happy to see that... Um... Pickleball courts. I don't know if you all heard about pickleball, but that's like a pretty... Uh, William Tong, Medill sophomore and a reporter for the Daily Northwestern, can take it from here. There's a fun little, I don't know what to call it, press stand? box? No, not box. Um, but there's like seating for the press at the front. It's in front of where the, the dais that the city council members, city clerk, city manager, and mayor um, sit upon. That's the right preposition. It's an interesting experience. I mean, it's quite a large room. There are usually going to be a decent number of people there. 
There are nine members of council, one for each of the wards of Evanston, plus the mayor, who is currently Daniel Biss. Each member is elected for a four-year term, although some have been re-elected for multiple terms. Every other week, the council convenes to discuss city projects and vote on ordinances and other city business. If that was confusing, go back and listen to it again. It all happened so fast. And of course, to begin every meeting, there's the iconic public comment section. I'll say that the people of Evanston are politically engaged. They will go to city council. They will go to public comment, especially with a charged issue, and they're going to make their views heard. Alex Harrison started reporting on city council for the Daily Northwestern, and since graduation has started reporting for the Evanston Roundtable. His beat still includes those biweekly meetings. It was kind of a natural progression of my interest in reporting on local government. When you have a body of elected officials who really dictate the policy for a whole area, they're going to be where the buck stops, and that makes for a lot of really interesting stories. Although the stories may be interesting, the perception around the interestingness of council is mixed. I would describe it as, well, I guess I would say it gets more entertaining the more you know about it. They can be very long meetings, very, very long, because there is a saying that all politics is local, and uh, when... People are really trying to hash out every facet of where a municipal government can get involved. It can take a lot of time to discuss. In fact, City Council's most recent meeting on Ryan Field lasted for the longest in quite a while. That was recent, Bestie. It was eight hours long, and it was October 30th, 2023, and the whole meeting was just about Ryan Field. Before that, I mean, probably three to four, maybe five hours, but that one just took the cake. We are exhausted at that point. <laughs> that meeting was probably the heaviest attendance meeting I'd ever been to. However, the cohort of reporters that are present at nearly every council meeting, including but not limited to reporters from school outlets like the Daily Northwestern, and more recently, Northwestern News Network and Inside NU, and local news outlets like the Evanston Roundtable, Evanston Now, and recently the Pioneer Press. Medill freshman Emma Richmond reported on council for the first time this quarter and had a surprisingly fun time. You get engaged, and then when it ends, it's like... I don't know, it's the end of like an episode. And you're like, wait, there should be more. And then you come back the next week. So it is kind of, yeah, it's like a TV show in, in, in some ways. Like there are the characters that you like. You get to sort of understand the relationships between like people on the council. Even I was just there for one day and I sort of was able to grasp um, what like people's relationships were and kind of the history, there's some lore. Yeah, at one point, Mayor Biss like referenced something that happened in like a, a prior meeting. They all like laughed about it and I didn't know what he was talking about and I really wanted to know because it was funny, apparently. <laughs> the reporters of City Council are a group that is often in the same place at the same time, even as council attendance has grown due to the Ryan Field votes in recent months. Reporters know each other's names, save each other's seats, and share the 12 or so outlets available in the press box. You know, we, we all kind of stick together. We're all in the same area, trying to do the same thing. So um, I'd say that it's a pretty good help each other relationship, which I really, I really do appreciate. Student reporters especially have a higher rate of turnover from quarter to quarter. Harrison and Tong remember their first few times covering council and how difficult that could be as a rookie reporter and someone that might be new to Evanston as well. It can be a lot of pressure to have to like get to know an intricate, very local, and oftentimes not personal, but almost personal uh, issue, right? That is very much rooted in the community. It is difficult work at first to learn uh, all of the intricacies and all of the lore and all of the just sometimes baffling structures that the city 
exists within, um, but it is worth it because once you do understand all of that, you have the potential to have a, a real impact on how the campus and the city relate to one another. But like Richmond pointed out, council can be surprisingly engaging. Lily Ogburn is a Medill sophomore and has reported on almost every council meeting for the Daily Northwestern this quarter. There's a culture of understanding the the characters of each of the aldermen, and it kind of makes council a little bit more entertaining because, like, we can talk about it afterward and, you know, see if it kind of aligns with the character we've, that we've seen evolve through time. One classic one, and they would not be offended by me talking about this, is that, like, Devon Reed and Claire Kelly, they sort of butt heads on a lot of issues, and, you know, it's just kind of like a classic rivalry. They actually agree on a lot of stuff, too, but they, they often are, like... I disagree with you, like, very publicly. Can I delay after intellectual counseling with Kelly? If she'll let you. Will you let me? Mm-hmm. Sure. I can. Um, so, yeah, I, I definitely think it's a big thing. We have a quote board in the in the daily newsroom, and often they reference council members or Mayor Biss or, you know, other, other important figures in city politics. Most reporters remember significant moments in their time at council that range from the serious to the slightly silly to the surprisingly emotional. But there was an ordinance um, that changed the city's uh, code with regard to the animals you can have in the city um, so that the high school could have a rooster for curricular purposes. Now, I wasn't at that city council meeting, but you can see the videos of it. You know, to see students go and advocate for having um, having a, a rooster in their school. And uh, I contributed, worked on um, a story with uh, then city editor Aviva Bechki about the rooster ordinance and the interviews that V had brought in um, they were they were touching quite frankly it was one of those kinds of ordinances that people don't think are super impactful but they are that's ordinance 945 subsection c if anyone is interested i asked Strong if he ever misses covering council do i miss it i think that is such a good question. Do I miss the length of the meetings? No. Um, do I miss hearing them talk? Kind of, yeah. Um, there are some funny moments. But beyond the reporting culture that comes with attending council meetings, student reporters are cognizant of the reasons they report on meetings in the first place. I guess why I stayed going is because, like, I think that, or at least I underestimated how important some of the stuff they're talking about really is. Like, I mean, we hear a lot about the Ryan Field vote, and obviously that's definitely important, but, like, a lot of these ordinances have to do with stuff like minimum wage, funding, like, budget, the budget proposal, and, like, even just, like, can semi-trucks go on this street, and it's been disrupting a bunch of residents. Like, those types of things, like, they actually really affect a lot of people, and those decisions get made at city council. And to students that might not see the point of following which laws and what ordinance are passing in Evanston, Tong had a response. Obviously, like, don't follow this like you follow your favorite TV show, because that's probably not worth it. Um, But at the same time, things that city council does can affect students here, right? Um, The brothel law ordinance that technically says that, you know, you can't have more than three non-family members living in the the same unit. It has exceptions, it has like different stipulations around it. But I mean, that's something that directly affects students here. The Ryan Field um, debates, ordinances, approvals, also things that affect students. Um, it affects the school. You know, if you're going to live here um, and 
be a guest, right, in Evanston. I think there's a, some degree of responsibility just to, even just to get to know a little bit what people care about here. As for Richmond, the Rookie Council reporter, well... I am itching to return to City Council. I really enjoyed it, actually. It's a big time commitment. You have to put a lot of yourself into it, but... I no, I was actually looking earlier at the schedule. I was like, when can I go back? Did they release the calendar? Ogburn is also stepping off the council beat for a quarter, but she hopes to return soon. Yeah, I'd definitely be sad. And um, I'm, I'm already going to be sad to like be falling out of the loop next quarter when I'm not here. But I, I'm, I'm coming back in spring and I will be covering council again. And Tong had just one more parting word on the way an hours long meeting on a Monday night just might be worth a visit, no matter how long you plan to be in Evanston. You're in the middle of that front line of local policy. At the end of the day, that is probably going to affect Evanston residents more than basically anything else in the world, kind of on average. You know, you're, you're, you're watching a small little sphere of history unfold. Sometimes it's about a chicken. Other times it's about an $800 million stadium rebuild. But they're all important in their own way. For WNUR News, I'm Mika Ellison. Mika has always wanted to cover something about the city council for WNUR, so I'm glad she finally made that happen. And don't worry, no matter how you get your news, there's likely someone just as passionate as Mika about keeping you informed of the Evanston City Council's latest happenings, including tonight's special meeting, which we'll get to in a bit. But for now, taking a look at the weather, it feels like 40 degrees along the Evanston lakefront right now, with some light rain drizzling over Northwestern's campus. But how are those forecasts supposed to look for your pre-Thanksgiving travels? Francesco thorek Saboya has this week's Fairweather Friends. Hi, I'm Francesco. Welcome back to Fairweather Friends. Each week we try our best to give you a peek into the local and national weather. This is actually my first time on Fairweather Friends, and I can't wait to tell you about all the different types of weather coming up this week. From Evanston, Illinois, this is Fairweather Friends. Final exams are looming over us as reading week approaches, and although you may be worried about a million different things, hey, at least the weather's nice. Well, kind of. Fall quarter is coming to a close with weather that isn't as chilly as some of us expected. Last week, we had some ups and downs in the 40s and 50s, but it wasn't too cold as long as you had a light jacket on. Today's weather was relatively nice with a high of 47 and an expected low of 43, with a bit of wind but mostly sunshine in the morning. However, it seems like there might be some light drizzles of rain tonight and the wind is going to pick back up. The rest of the week doesn't look too bad. Tomorrow, it'll be mostly cloudy, and it'll get increasingly windy with a little rain in the afternoon. Not awful, but just a little gloomy. It'll be a high of 46 and a low of 37, with wind expected to reach up to 30 miles per hour. Seems like things are going to clear up on Wednesday, with different periods of sunshine and clouds. Not much wind to be expected, and it'll be a high of 45 and a low of 37. The rest of the week seems similar to Wednesday with sunshine poking through spotty clouds. Still no snow as we inch closer to winter, even though it snowed on Halloween for some reason and suddenly stopped. Conversely, things don't seem to be going as smoothly in Texas. 
Looks like there might just be ice storms heading to San Antonio and Austin, according to the weather report from Fox News. Hopefully things don't go south for them. See what I did there? That's all for this week's edition of Fairweather Friends. Thanks for tuning in. Until next time, stay warm, cold, dry, however the weather chooses to behave that day. But hey, it's looking pretty nice this weekend. In Evanston, Illinois, Francesco Thoric Saboya, WNUR News. Taking a look into the headlines in Evanston, Chicagoland, and across the nation and globe, following up on Mika's story, the Evanston City Council is supposed to have its final, final, final Ryan Field rebuild vote at tonight's special meeting, following weeks of delays by several council members. After tonight, council will have decided whether to approve three ordinances related to the project. One, approving Ryan Field's stadium reconstruction. Two, rezoning the site to allow for concerts and three, approving a Memorandum of Understanding between the city and Northwestern. A Memorandum of Understanding, otherwise known as an MOU, is a legally binding contract that establishes how Evanston and NU will collaborate throughout the rebuild and what the benefits package the university plans to give the city will look like. Last week, council voted 6-2 to two to postpone the final vote because of residents' frustrations about the MOU. At town hall meetings with older persons from across the city and in public letters, several community service organizations have demanded greater clarity from the city and the university. In the latest MOU, Northwestern promises to donate $10 million annually to several city initiatives, including earmarking financial aid for Evanston residents to enroll at the university and business district revitalization. If approved, the university will begin these donations in 2024. The entire rebuild Ryan Field plan is budgeted at $800 million and is projected to be complete in fall 2026, if approved. Per the latest updates, public comment section at tonight's meeting has just concluded and MOU reviews will begin shortly. Evanston Latinos, a community service organization to benefit the city's Latin A community, announced they will start a community kitchen in June 2024. The group was started to help businesses and individuals recover from the challenges brought on by COVID-19, and the idea of a community kitchen will help local entrepreneurs cook and sell their food on a larger scale. Recent surveys of Evanston residents show that such a kitchen will be an affordable community space for those who want to expand their culinary creations beyond their home kitchens. Just before 5 p.m. this evening, a car plowed into an oak lawn dollar tree. Authorities were at the Cicero Avenue store and had removed the vehicle and started boarding up windows by 5 p.m., trying to keep the steady rain out. The cause of the accident is still under investigation. The Guggenheim Museum in New York City has a new director, and it's the first ever woman at the helm. Mariette Westermann was announced as the director and chief executive of the Guggenheim Museum Group and Foundation after the departure of Richard Armstrong in summer 2022. The New York Times described her appointment as, quote, something of a surprise, end quote, because she is not currently a professional museum director, but she's previously served as the executive vice president at the Andrew W. Mellon Foundation, director of NYU's Institute of Fine Arts, and she's the current vice chancellor of NYU Abu Dhabi. The foundation sought someone with international experience because under her tenure, Guggenheim will open a museum branch in Abu Dhabi. Turning to Brazil, the three-day Rio de Janeiro leg of Taylor Swift's Eras Tour is unfortunately not going as planned. 
Starting on Friday, concertgoers said sweltering temperatures made the concert, quote, unbearable, end quote, with heat indices soaring as high as 59 degrees Celsius or 138 degrees Fahrenheit. Some said they had difficulty getting access to water inside the stadium, and on Saturday, tens of thousands of fans waited for hours in extreme heat, only to have Swift then cancel the concert because of the high temperatures. The concert was postponed until Monday, but some were no longer able to attend. That's all for WNUR News at 6 p.m. For more news updates and reports, follow us on X at WNUR News and Instagram, WNUR News 893. You can listen to these and other stories on our website, WNURnews.org. That's WNURnews.org. Find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Our producer today is Sophia Kesa, and our reporters are Gabby Agozi, Sophia Kesa, Mika Ellison, and Francesco Thorek Saboya. I'm Brandon Condritz. We'll be back on Monday, January 8th, 2024, with more News at 6. Now, back to scheduled programming.